Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham. Now that you have found us, make sure that you either follow or subscribe, depending on the app that you are using, whether it's Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, Pocket Cast, any of the 50 apps that you can find us on at this point. Also, check out the other podcasts in our network got a couple of major debuts coming up in the next week we've got the first full episode of smark your territory our wrestling pod getting you ready for SummerSlam. that is going to be with josh Chappelle and bill o'rourke so check that out in the next couple of days and also i believe i'm appearing on smark your territory by the way oh as God. the you are as the are? Uh, as the uninformed not in this episode ah. but in the next one as the uninformed wrestling observer, I'll be going uh, to watch SummerSlam with Josh and Bill, and then I will be offering my wildly uninformed opinions. Well, you kind of do that here on the Heat. So actually, this <laughs> oh, should be very on. easy for you uh, to just transition. <laughs> actually, Jonathan Zaslow is supposed to make an appearance on Smark Your Territory. So that we, we asked him, which pod do you want to appear on? And he said Smark. So uh, that's fine. He's going to be on there soon. Also, the debut coming up this week, and I want to give some clarity here to the name of this particular podcast because Giancarlo Navis completely screwed this up on Miami Heat Beat when he introduced it on their episode this week. Um, it, it is not uh, Mishes and Wishes or whatever it is that he called it. It is Swings and Mishes. Swings and Mishes with Craig Mish and Jeremy Tash. That's going to be Tashé, Tashé. Uh, yeah, he's got the little thing at the end of the E. So that's how, okay. So that's what we go with. You, you got to say it correctly, man. All right. Also, obviously, check out our football podcast, Fish Tank, Three Yards Per Carry, Fantasy on Five. This is a big fantasy week. And Five Rings Canes. All right. But we are going to feed the beast here, Chris. Um, had to pull some teeth to, to get this to happen today. Uh, we have not talked a lot of Miami Heat here on the podcast. This is, you know, the, this is playing the hits, as they say, right? Like this is, you know, when I, when I, when I put on in the car, uh, you know, kids pop radio for my daughter and they play the same six songs all day long. You know, why don't you just meet me in the middle all day long um, or <laughs> let it go? I mean, that that's what this is, Chris. Yes, it uh, is. We're, we're getting back to the heat because we've noticed we've strayed a little bit lately. Uh, basically, because they did absolutely freaking nothing uh, this offseason. And <laughs> they, they, they have deserved this treatment, in my opinion. Yes, in your opinion, absolutely. Um, but something actually happened today, and, and this is look, this is how devoid of news it's been with the Heat uh, this off season. Can, can I just say? Can I just say before yes. you tell us what the news is? Is that even so? Like for example, uh, yesterday was Heat Day on NBA TV, and they're running all these old games. I actually stayed up watching the uh, the Heat Spurs game six. Oh, always a delightful watch. But uh, LeBron puts this, put this thing on Instagram about how he was watching Heat Day and it was like captioned with the Heatles and all that. And if that happens a year ago, right, if Heat mm -hmm. Day is a year ago and LeBron is Instagramming about this, then immediately there's this giant freak out about, oh, maybe LeBron's going to come back. Maybe he'll come back. Holy crap, LeBron actually might be coming back to Miami. But because he signed a long-term deal, it kind of pokes a hole in it. And like even, <laughs> even, like, the, even like the false hope 
that used to exist that maybe there's potential for a whale out there for us in, in some capacity. Like even that had a pin put in that cushion this summer. And it's just like now we're, we're kind of left without that even hope of a superstar coming soon. Chris, I, I think there's a conspiracy against the Heat because I don't know why NBA TV didn't put that marathon on before LeBron made this decision <laughs> because I think he could have been convinced to play with some current Heat players if he just had those memories flooding through his head. Like July, um, like if they did that like June 28th, that, right, uh, that, like, he, like, that he would have been a Heat wh- player. Like, why do it now? I, and I tweeted a bunch of stuff. You can check it out at Five Reasons Sports about that era, uh, some of my memories from it. And they're great memories. And one of the things that I said in there was that it was a blessing, but it's also a curse because when you start to watch some of those games, you realize that's never going to happen again. And and not just in this city, but in virtually any city in the country. Um, lightning does not strike twice. And what I said, and I can tell you, Dwayne Wade liked this tweet, so clearly he agrees with this, Chris, uh, that there may have been better teams in the past 30 years. And you can certainly make an argument for maybe the Shaq Kobe Lakers, uh, you know, certainly the Jordan Bulls, if you're just going to say 30 years, that the modern day Golden State Durant. Warriors and the modern day Golden State Warriors with Durant and Curry. You can make a case for those three teams. Don't give me the Celtics uh, of the 08 Celtics. That didn't last oh, okay. long. Enough. I think you're going to say like the 86 Celtics or something. No, no. I'm talking about last 30 years. But okay. but here's the thing. No matter uh, what you think of them as a basketball team, the Miami Heat are sort of the cultural touchstone of the NBA from the past 30 years. What that team did and under that pressure and the way that they changed the way that we look at basketball and the way that they did it during the social media Twitter era is not going to happen again. It's just not going to happen again, Chris. And and that's really difficult because the people who experienced it most, most directly were Heat fans. And so now, and this is why I want to do this episode today, now you have Heat fans that are not going to be satisfied with anything because nothing is going to compare to that unless you go 30 and 11 in the second half, like that'll sort of do it until Heat fans realize that really wasn't such a good thing for the franchise. Like you were, you were realizing, but, but that's the problem here. And I think that's why I want to inject a little bit, just a little bit of optimism today. Some, and you're going to shoot it all down, but I'm no, going to no, try. I actually, I, 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 agree, I agree with what you're saying, which is that there is an unreasonable expectation that comes with this, but you know what? I, I, I think that's actually being unfair to the fan base a little bit because I do think that most fans have kind of understood that, okay, that's gone now, and it's not going to be easily replicable. Like, you can hope that, and and certainly you can have an expectation that, like, Pat Riley is going to do something, right? And I think that's where some of the disappointment comes is that, well, normally Pat Riley just, you know, waves a magic wand and fixes it, and that hasn't happened yet. But I I don't think that there's anyone expecting that, you know, you can manufacture the big three easily. Like, it's, it's among the most impossible roster reconstructions in the history of sports. And so I, I don't think people are expecting that. I just think that, in particular, this team it becomes something of a sobering reality when, you know, they get three minutes on the Zach Lowe podcast and that represents your national media diet on the heat for a full month, like in in the middle of free agency when you have Pat Riley as your executive. Like they're not any kind of interesting on a national basis and they don't have any superstars. So like it it is like it's not just a drop, it's a significant drop from where you were, and I can understand how some Heat fans are either growing impatient with that or apathetic or whatever it is they end up feeling as a result of that. I get all of that, um, but I also see where Pat Riley is coming from on this, and obviously we've been critical of Pat Riley and particularly what happened last summer, but there is a big three Twitter, and then there's a 
previous Heat fan Twitter. There are two different things, and I counter it every day. And the big three Twitter, um, and I'm not talking about the big three with Amari Stoudemire and Richard Lewis on the court now. I'm talking about the big three as we know it with the Heat. You know, the reality is that those fans uh, have a certain expectation. And you're right. They may not expect him to pull that off again, but they expect him to get Kawhi. They expect him to get Gordon Hayward. And they don't really understand how challenging that is or what it was like prior to the big three. Don't even go that far back. Just go to like 2009, right, where Dwayne Wade was playing at an ungodly level and had no help. Um, That's the reality of the NBA. That's how it usually works. How it worked during the big three is not how it works. And the news here is the clues because this is what heat fans do they look for clues right like they are the most social media savvy of all the sports fans down here that's not close by the way it's a heat twitter is a totally different entity than dolphins twitter and it is i mean they're into everything and they did a repost of this james johnson uh ig post uh instagram for for those over over 30 um and essentially it's a photo of James Johnson working out with Wayne Ellington, who is the nicest guy in the world, but as you mentioned, looks menacing in the photo. I'm not sure why. Tyler Tyler Johnson. I'm still not convinced that's Wayne Ellington. I, 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 as I look at it, I'm not sure either because, again, <laughs> he is the nicest guy in the world, but he, and he doesn't look like him. But the other two guys that they've got on there are Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam, and they've been working out together. People are waiting on Dwayne. That's really the only news that's left. And so I don't know what Dwayne's going to do. Clearly, he has said that it's going to be one of two things at this point, which is retirement or playing. He's doing a lot of working out for a guy who's retiring. So it looks to me like he's playing. I had heard he wanted a little bit more money out of this situation. I'm not really sure how they do that. And if they want to clear out a two guard, he's working with one of those two guards in that picture, Tyler Johnson. So well, and, uh, another, and another in Wayne Ellington, if that's Wayne Ellington. Wayne, right. And Wayne Ellington is not going anywhere because they just signed him. So uh, so I don't know what Dwayne's going to do. But so let's try to put that aside for a second. Um, the Heat are sort of starved for news at this stage as we talk about. And that's why even their, their sort of social media gaffe this week, which was very unlike them, they don't make mistakes like this. And actually Michael McCullough, who came out and apologized for it because they don't make mistakes like this, where they're hyped to schedule release for three days, okay, on Twitter, which is worse than the hype that I do on Five Reasons Sports, where I, you know, I'm, I'm basically <laughs> hyping smart tweets, uh, smarter territory coming out with their first episode for the last three weeks. Like, this was two people who follow the heat closely they're starved for news a schedule release is not going to do it so i understand why heat fans are frustrated i'm going to try today not knowing what Dwayne's going to do to give you five reasons why i think this is better than heat fans perceive it to be this is the longest open we've ever done for an episode (laughs) (laughs) i'm putting it off (laughs) but but I want to get to these five things so you you ready to shoot all these down yeah i'm i'm happy i'm happy ready to be the cynic here Okay. All right. So here, here is the first one. Dion Waiters and Goran Dragic. I have not I'm been. Out. <laughs> 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 I, no, here, here's the thing on this. I have not been the biggest proponent of the Waiters contract. We we've discussed that, but you can't deny this. Those two guys had chemistry, whether you look at it from the eye test or you look at it from the numbers, Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters. I would not think that their games would fit together because both of them are kind of combo guards. Like Dion is a guy who needs the ball in his hands a lot for a two. Goran is a guy also who plays a lot off the ball at times, but he's not a traditional point guard. 
but that worked. They had a chemistry. We called it 7-Eleven. That was the catalyst behind the 30-11 and 11 run in the second half of that season. And that 30-11 and 11 even comes with Dion missing time in the last two weeks because of the ankle injury, where I think they lost four games. So they only lost seven, from what I recall, in the second half of the season with Dragic and Waiters playing together. And so I'm going to – look, I don't know if Dion's going to be ready for camp. I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in when he comes back for camp. I don't know what the role is going to be, particularly if Dwayne comes back, because I don't think Dwayne and Dion can play well together. I, I, I think that's going to be a bit of a mess. But I will say that Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters had something that you want your backcourt partners to have, which is they clearly had trust in each other. And so if Dion can get right, I don't see why they couldn't recapture some of that. And maybe I'll have to back off of my stance that the waiter's contract for four years was not a good deal. Shoot it down. I'll briefly be positive before I do that. Um, I agree with you on Dragic and Waiters. They played 24 games together in that 14-11 period between you know Dragic being out and Waiters being out. And the Heat were 21 and three when those guys when those two guys were together in 24 games. They were not, they were plus 96. So. I, I understand what where you're coming from in terms of those two guys working together, but I, I just obviously they weren't healthy last year. Son White's had a setback, James Johnson had a setback, Deion Waiters missed the whole season or close to it. And so maybe it's unfair to totally write off thirteen eleven, but at a certain point we have to acknowledge that that was a complete and utter fluke. And it was fun for when it happened. It was an enjoyable experience for the fans. I'll be honest, I didn't really get on board until I would say after they beat Golden State, which I think was a, was a decent way into it because my thought was is at the time that they were 11 and 30 that, you know, that I think they were only a game worse or a game better than Brooklyn in the standings and if they had carry on on that trajectory and finish 22 and 60, they would have had a top 3 pick when they don't have like they don't look to have any for the foreseeable future and i thought if there's a year that you're going to tank and try and get a top 3 pick that you need to rebuild your franchise in the aftermath of lebron and chris bosh no longer being part of your setup then that was the year to do it that was the year to really go for the bottom of the league, and they did, and they won a bunch of games, and now here we are after those guys got rewarded for it. So, But my thinking going forward is, as much as there are no doubt cogent basketball reasons why it did work, I don't think that it's replicable going forward. You know, These players are, in the end, journeyman players, and there's only so much that you can try and talk yourself into before you just realize it was a fluke. Okay, um, and I understand that because... You know, we have seen teams that gel in a certain way and that it does not come back the next season. But I go back to a point that you've made in there, which is that we never really saw it healthy last year. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and but, Deion but, but here's the thing, Ethan, Deion, yep. like for me, the odds are we're never going to see it healthy because the odds are that someone is going to get hurt. Like you, you don't. You don't get to say, oh, but if we were just healthy, like there's always injuries. There's always someone that's either not going to be 100% or, you know, like Hassan White said, did bump knees with Nikola Vucevic and the rest of his season takes on a totally different trajectory. Like the ideal world in which you are totally healthy, for the most part, doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, but I think for a team like this, losing one piece when the chemistry is as fragile as it was, because uh, so much of what they built during 30 and 11 was that sort of feeling of camaraderie and the pieces fitting well together. And again, I go back to Dragic and Waiters because that really is, we can talk about James Johnson and what he did the second half of that season um, and some of the other guys there, but it was their backcourt, Chris. I mean, that that's what 
pushed them during those three months. It was Dion making those kind of shots and it was Goran playing at an all-star level. And so when Dion was not right from the start of the season, and again, I was not a proponent of that contract. Okay. So because, because for something you're saying, because I, I didn't believe a two month sample size or a three month sample size, you know, when you had the rest of his career to look at, you know, was enough to justify giving four years to somebody who wasn't getting more than a one or two year offer from anywhere else. But I am going to give them some benefit of doubt here because Dion was not right at the start of last season. It was obvious. His shooting percentage was horrific. I don't think it had I don't think it was just him totally reverting to the mean, so to speak. I just think he was hurt. And so I want to see him healthy and I want to see him in shape. And, and to me, that's the other thing. Like, is he going to get in the kind of shape again that he needs to get into when he at the time he got into that shape? He was on a one year, two point seven million dollar contract and not a four year, forty four or whatever it is. Uh, to me, that's one of the issues here because is Dion going to be as hungry as he was? And I don't mean the hungry that got him out of shape. I mean, the hungry on the basketball floor. And so I would just want to see it. I want to see him and Goran together. And so we'll move on to part two here, but that gives me a little confidence that they may be able to push forward with their backcourt. We'll get back to the boundless optimism here in a second, but want to introduce you first to another of our great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Design Gnome. You can find them at designgnomeinc.com. They are a printing company. They offer on-time delivery, exceptional quality, competitive pricing, and no minimums. They specialize in high-quality screen printing, digital printing, embroidery, large format printing, vinyl graphic promotional items and much much more and i can speak to this personally because they've been the ones printing up the four by six cards that have appeared on your windshield while you are watching brock osweiler play in training camp for the miami dolphins so it's design gnome they print everything their phone number is 786-471-2580 again it's 786-471-2580 designgnomeinc.com let's move on to number two this is another one where I think I've been sort of pigeonholed, uh, you know, in a way that I don't think is accurate with my actual position, which is Hassan White's. You mean the way that you've pigeonholed me as the cynic on this podcast? No, that's accurate. But um, <laughs> but 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 I've, I've been pigeonholed as some kind of white side basher, which I to me is amusing because I wrote a column for the uh, well, a newspaper I won't name. But uh, I wrote a column for a, a local newspaper that they should resign Hassan Whiteside when they maxed him out. And. I raised all the concerns that have since come to pass, but I said he's an asset that you should try to keep and other teams were going to offer in the Mac. So I've not been against Hassan from the beginning. I thought he was a great story, the way he came up and the way he worked and put himself in the position that he did. We've just obviously seen some limitations and some issues here, particularly over the past year. Okay. But again, here's the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was hurt. And I know he was hurt to a certain degree because I know, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, that the brace was an issue. So let's just say he stays healthy. And let's let's say that he doesn't bump knees again, which we don't know if that's going to happen. And let's say that he will play through some pain, which again, we don't know if that's going to happen. The reality is his permanent numbers, as you and I have talked about, were exactly the same last year that they were the year before. And in some categories, they were actually slightly better. So even if he didn't have the same athleticism last year that he had in past years, he was still productive based on the way that we measure that, right? Not saying it always looked good, but based on the way that we measure that, he was still productive in the minutes that he actually played. So is it 
totally beyond the realm of possibility, Chris, that he can have a better season next season than he had last season? No, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. So, again, if he gets back to his athletic peak, which I think we can now say he was not at last season, and it's actually one of the things that frustrates me a little bit about the franchise is, obviously, they want everyone to be Udonis Haslam and play through pain, but first off, Udonis Haslam kind of wrecked his career by playing through pain. But second, uh, you you can't expect someone to play through pain and then when at least an aspect of their game is predicated on athleticism, expect them to be at their best and then get angry at them when they're not at their best. Like, Hassan's game is predicated at least in part on his athleticism. And so when he doesn't have it, it's not going to look the same than when he has his full and peak athleticism and when he's unencumbered by a knee brace. Like, it is going to look different. The one thing for me, and we talked about this on a previous podcast, was just how much he's wrecked his value going forward by virtue of the fact that he was so dreadful in the postseason and that I don't know how that gets rectified in the space of a year. I don't think the league is all of a sudden going to bend to where Hassan Whiteside can survive in a playoff series. And that, for me, is the ultimate concern is, yes, in terms of winning regular season games, him being healthy, him being right, helps. Uh, But in terms of two things, number one, him being good in the playoffs, which obviously he wasn't last year, but secondarily, the fact that he wasn't pleased with not closing games and part of that is at least in part because of the matchups and Eric Spolster likes to play Kelly Olynyk better and didn't didn't want to put two bigs on the floor. Maybe he wants to put Bam out of bye in those situations. Like because of the fact that Hassan Whiteside is a struggle in crunch time and is a struggle in the postseason, there's just going to be a ceiling on even at peak athleticism what he can really offer to the Heat. Here's what I'm going to bet on here if I'm going to look for some hope. I'm going to bet on Spolstra. Um, okay. In 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 this way. Eric has put more time into Hassan than any other player he's ever coached. Um, that was the case two years ago. Okay. Uh, it certainly is the case now. And and that's coming from the, the coach himself. Okay. So I, I know that. And I'm just thinking that if Eric had a whole off season to come to terms with the fact that I'm going to be coaching Hassan again. Okay. Whatever happened during the regular season, particularly whatever happened during the playoffs, Hassan's comments about BS and all the rest of that, we're not trading Hassan now. Maybe we'll trade Hassan in the future, but Hassan is going to be a member of the Miami Heat to start the 2018-19 season. And unless something goes absolutely crazy, he's probably going to be the starting center in the season opener. Like I don't see him starting Bam or Olenek ahead of him at the very beginning because he'll lose him for the entire year, right? So to me, Hassan's going to be the starter initially. And I just think that Eric is, and Eric, look, if you talk to players, they'll talk about how he can be stubborn at times. Um, but at other times, he's very resourceful. And I just think that it, with an offseason to think about it, I think Eric will come up with some kind of a plan to reach Hassan better than he reached him last year. Again, I'm not blaming Spolster for that, but I'm just saying clearly it didn't work. So I'm going to give him some benefit of the doubt here that whatever conversations they've had behind the scenes, and look, I don't believe everything they say about these kind of conversations because I've been through this with them for 20 years. I mean, there are times we've told conversations happen and they don't happen, but I, I am confident that Eric is going to come up with something to make Hassan feel more valued because to me, that's really what this is about. It's about making Hassan feel like they need his contributions. And that disappeared as the season went on last year. And then when it got to the playoffs, it was like, yeah, we don't need you at all. Like, in fact, not only do we not need you at all, we need you off the floor to have a chance. And I just think that Eric has to reframe that 
narrative and that conversation with Hassan. And I just think he's smart enough to figure out some way to do that. What you're talking about, about the way the game has changed, that's all valid, and that's not going to get any better. Um, as far as his athleticism, maybe it gets a little better as the knee heals and if he doesn't injure it again. But I'm going to put a little bit of a bet here on Eric to say maybe they can get a little bit more out of Hassan, certainly than they did in the playoffs last year. Here on with the conversation in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about one of our partners here at the Five Reasons Sports Network. We love telling you about the people that we do business with because we believe in them. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. We want you to use them for your business. And one of them is miss-inc.com. That's I-N-K.com. It is Miami social media marketing service services and content writing services as well. So Misty Buck does a terrific job with this website. She's been helping us with Twitter, with Instagram, with the various social media platforms so that we can grow our business and we can grow our following and so that we can get bigger. So you want to check her out at miss-inc. That's miss, M-I-S-S, Dash INK.com. All right, let's move on to part three here. The other reasons to be optimistic. I don't know how well we're doing here, but I'm, I'm trying. And number three is the young guys. And there are three that they did not trade. And there were a lot of Heat fans who did not want them to trade these three guys. But it's Bam Adebayo, it's Justice Winslow, and it's Josh Richardson. And for me, it's about maximizing what they do well. And what we saw from Josh Richardson in December is something that if they can replicate that player, the way that he played in December, shooting plus 50% from the field, averaging 18, while playing the great defense that we've come to know him for, like that is a really good second or third option on a very good team. And I I think it's still in him to do that. Um, it fell off a little bit when Dwayne came back. I felt like he took a step back to sort of accommodate Dwayne. I also felt like the offense didn't really involve him quite as much. Like he was an afterthought in the Philadelphia series. Chris, we didn't even talk about him much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he, he was their best player for most of the season. And it was like, oh, yeah, Josh had seven tonight. Okay. Um, and, and that needs to change. Not good enough for a player of, of his of his quality, actually, because he's a quality NBA player at this stage. So if, if he can find what he found in December and they can bring that out of him consistently, um, you know, then they're fine there. Now, the thing with Josh is he's still playing out of position and they didn't solve that problem. Like, you know, Riley says he's a two when Dwayne signs or if Dwayne signs, they're going to have five other twos. Uh, so. I think I think that stuff's overrated. Like, I, I, I just so it, when you say two, like, you mean he's not getting, you know, the same looks on offense. Like, I, I just think like the league is now it's wings, point guards and bigs like he's he's a wing, whether it's the two or the three or hell and super smart lineups, even even the four. Like, is it about who he's guarding or is it about like the looks that he gets on offense? Well, I, I don't know that it's about who he's guarding because we've seen that Josh can guard up. Um, and so I think he's fine there. I, th- I think it's on the other end and who's guarding him sometimes. Um, because sometimes it's, it's a guy who's six, seven, six, eight, uh, who's just bigger physically than him. 
And so I think that is a bit of a problem at times. Like I, I would rather have him at the two working against some six foot four guys more consistently than working at the three. And the other thing for the heat is it just makes them small across the board. Like it's one thing to say your wings and your point guards and your bigs. Okay. The heat are big with their bigs, right? Like they have, you know, good sized bigs, their point guards, not especially tall. Um, and their wings are all six, three, six, four. I mean, except for Josh, who's six, six, and he's kind of a lanky six, six. So, I do think it matters in that regard. I see what you're saying. I would rather he started at the two. Clearly, that's not going to happen. But I do think that they can replicate a lot of what they got from him. The other two guys, Bam Adebayo, let's start with him before we get to justice. You know, he was uneven during summer league, but you also see what they like. And, and I do think that they can build on that this year. The biggest impediment to him is that his best pairing was with Kelly Olenek. If you look at the numbers, him with him with Olenek, they were, I think, a plus 11 per 100 possessions. And I just don't know how they get to that very often if they're trying to sort of, you know, do the right side reclamation project this year. So I think that's the biggest impediment for Bam. And for Justice, it's sort of replicating the energy and the passion he played with in the playoffs. Because I think if he can do that consistently and he can shoot mid-30s from three, which is what he did last year, then... I think he can be more than maybe we thought a year ago. For me, in terms of Justice Winslow, like, and I actually was hugely enthused about his playoff performance, but again, it's another one of these that you do in the postmortem. You go back and look at his numbers. Like, he shot better from three than he did from two. And and in that series, he shot 36.8% from three and 35.7% from the field. And I, it, again, it's just one of those things where you, you leave a playoff series feeling enthused about a guy who averaged 10 points a game on 35.7% shooting. And it's like, well, what am I so excited about? And I, I, I do believe that Justice Winslow is a good player. He might be among the Heat's three best playoff players because I really like even even, you know, disregarding the numbers, I thought he had a good playoff series. I thought when, when you're putting together any combination of the Heat's best five players to deploy in that playoff series, it had to include Justice Winslow. He was a threat, and I thought he played in that playoff series very well. But again, for me, the problem is that I just think that he's a role player. And I just I, I don't see a way that you get around the fact that for the most part, I think these guys are role players to supersize role players. Like, I don't think you're getting into... I, I don't think you can get to a place where Josh Richardson is a, you know, 18 point a game scorer on a on a good team. Like I think, you know, last year he averaged, you know, 13.9 and the year before he averaged uh 10 points a game. Like again, this isn't a guy that for the most part is going to be a, what would I believe to be an anchor piece. These are Good role players that, at least at the moment for Josh Richardson, is value for money. Bam Adebayo is definitely value for money. But again, for me, his ceiling is Clint Capella, which you know is a valuable player. He got a lot of money this offseason and I think is a key part of what the Rockets do, but is not someone that you're necessarily building your offense around. And, and I think that's a real distinction. And so in the end, I just don't know that you can really anticipate a step for Josh Richardson entering his fourth season, uh, he'll be 25 at the start of the season, which is still young, uh, but obviously it's not the same as drafting a 19-year-old, and when he's entering year four, he's 22. Like it, There is a significant difference in drafting a college freshman versus drafting, drafting a college senior, which is why they go earlier in the draft. And so I, I do think that the Heat have some promise in these young areas, but 
I don't. I just don't see the ceiling that would really give you that sense of optimism. To me, it's about giving them the opportunities to show what their ceiling is. And that has been my whole issue with some of these contracts that they've given out because I do think they've progress stopped some of these players by signing slightly above average players to these long-term deals that they thought they could flip. And, and that's going to be the task for Eric Spolster this year is prioritizing the right guys while trying to win. And, and that's always a tough task. And that's why I want to get to him in number four here. I'm going to combine two things for you, Chris, in terms of reasons to be somewhat optimistic. And that's Spolstra and it's continuity. And those things go together. Because as I said before, I think if you give Eric enough time to figure out how to solve the white side issue, I also think giving him enough time to figure out how to make this roster work will pay dividends for the Heat. Because he not, he's known who his guys were going to be for a long time, right? Like, it, it was not likely that the Heat were going to be able to make any major move this offseason or even that they were able to clear significant salary. And if you believe the reports that they weren't even offering any of their young guys, then Eric Spolster went into this offseason knowing that really the only change in his life was going to be changing diapers. Like, I mean, he knew every, he, right? I mean, he, he knows what his team is. Uh, it's just a question of waiters getting healthy and Whiteside getting healthy and Johnson, uh, you know, James Johnson getting healthy and then putting the pieces together. And I do think giving him an off season to figure that out could help them get off to a really good start. And I've been through this with the heat before. I remember covering a couple of those late nineties teams that Riley coached. And I remember one of those years, they just got off to a blazing start uh, before they had some injuries. I mean, they looked great. And it's, and it's because Hardaway and Mourning and PJ and Dan Marley and Vashawn Leonard and that group had been together for a period of time. And we saw that with Toronto a couple of times over the past couple of years, that just having the same core allows you to get off to a fast start. And I think this team absolutely needs to get off to a fast start. I'm going to get to the East here in a second, but there's a lot of, look, Boston obviously is bringing back two very talented players. You'd rather have that problem, right, than, than having a problem of, of not enough continuity. But it is going to take a little bit of time for them to sort of figure it out. And meanwhile, the Heat are going in with exactly the same team, um, with adding Deion Waiters back and, again, adding maybe a healthier Hassan. And so I do think that there are positives to that, and I, I do put a lot of trust in Eric to kind of figure that out. And again, I think he gets all the credit for how 2017 worked and all the combinations that worked out. And we talked earlier about Dragic and Waiters and some, uh, and you, and you said that shouldn't really work on paper, but it did. And I think a huge amount of, of that credit goes to Eric Spolster. But again, I, I think he's working with a, a talent base that do you really believe that a coach, a coach can single-handedly, you know, do something with you know a, a lack of talent on a consistent basis like I, I really think in another coach's hands this is like even more uh, you know uh, negative and and sort of uh, dour going into a season I think if you know this was the Orlando Magic's roster you'd be like that team's going 28 games and because it's the heat because it's Eric Spolster because he's figured out a way to make this the, these things work I think that's the reason why we look at them as a as a playoff team, right? Like they're going to be it might be bottom half of the conference, but they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think Eric Spolstra, particularly in the aftermath of uh, of LeBron leaving, maybe after 2014-15 cuz that didn't really work. I think Eric Spolstra over the course of his career has been a perennial overachiever. And 
Uh, you know, obviously, the, maybe the first year of the Big Three era, you know, it didn't work. And I think, you know, th they obviously committed to playing defense above offense in, in, in anything else. I do think that in the overall, though, he has been an overachiever and why I, you know, obviously we frankly on this podcast are confused about why Eric Spolster gets any criticism. But again, you know, you're, you're, you're a team that's a little bit above 500. The coach is going to get some of that shrapnel. But I think just the fact that people expect them to be in the playoffs is, is because of Eric Spolstra. Like, I think even if this team doesn't make any improvement and they win 44 games and go out in the first round of the playoffs again, that for me is still an incredible coaching job by Eric Spolstra because this is not a talent base of a team that should be routinely making the playoffs. Well, I don't think they're a 28-win roster if they're Orlando. Uh, I do agree with what you're saying. They, they don't but, have... But why, though? Like, they have like a lot of the similar pieces that Orlando does. Just because they play in a uniform that you see every night and you've seen them win, like, if, if you saw these names on a sheet for the Orlando Magic, you'd think they're going to win 28 games. Yeah, but there's more depth on this roster than Orlando. I mean, look, uh, Chris, uh, you know, they don't have a top 30 player, right? Are we in agreement on that? Yes. They don't have a top. Okay. So that means they don't have someone can I, who can, can I, can number we, one on any other team. Okay, so can we go through the Orlando Magic team real quick just for yes. giggles? Okay, so uh, point guard DJ Augustine. Okay, so that's, you know. Dragic is better. Right. Much better. Uh, backup Jerry and Grant. Uh, Evan Fournier shooting guard. For me, about the same. Uh, small forward. Well the, well, the, well, the Heat have five of those. So yeah, <laughs> they have five Evan Fournier's. Um, and then and then uh, and then the Magic have like five centers. Uh, and then they have Jonathan Simmons, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Nikola no. Vucevic, and Mo Bamba. No, no. Well, we don't know what Mo Bamba is sure. yet, but um, no, Chris, the Heat roster is better than that. It, it's 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 not by that. much. Not by it, much. It, it, it's it's better than that. But I'm still going to give Spolstra enormous credit. Um, and at the same time, because, look, they don't have a top 30 player. I mean, Goran snuck into the All-Star game as, what, the 15th guy in the East, which wouldn't is... Aaron, wouldn't Aaron Gordon be the best player on the Heat? <sighs> Not consistently, no. I, no? I mean, has you, you feel like he's taken... That, I don't know what Aaron Gordon is yet. Because I, they never I, I, think he, I think he's surrounded by a dreadful team, but he averaged 17 and a half points a game last year on, mm. uh, th well, not terribly efficiently, 43.4% from the field. And I, I mean, you don't think Josh Richardson would do that in, in Orlando? I do. I mean, I I guess. I mean, Goran Dragic would do better than that in Orlando. Like, no, I don't think Aaron Gordon would be the best player in the Heat. But, but the reality is, you, while the Heat may not have a top 30 player, uh, they have a whole lot of players between 40 and 100, I think, um, mm -hmm. or at least 40 and 120, a lot more of those players than Orlando does. So I don't want to take anything away from Eric. I agree with you, everything you're talking about with Eric. Um, I do believe he's overachieved in most seasons. I, I think if you even if you look back to the LeBron, you know, the year after LeBron, I mean, there were like he played like nine guys that year who were not in the league the next year. I mean, guys like Henry Walker. Remember that? Like, I mean, those yeah. were guys were getting not just not just significant minutes. They were getting crunch time minutes on that team. I mean, Justin Hamilton was getting significant minutes on that team during stretches. So I, I do think he's been look again. I think he fans are too hard on him. Um, I don't think, honestly, those are these sort of the most passionate Heat fans. I think they're kind of you know the ones again just sort of spraying buckshot at everybody when they're not happy um and and eric gets a lot of that but i to, to me he's done a great job here but I, i'm gonna give him you know i don't know that he can make this a 50 win roster uh but but i do think he can get this if he got other rosters into the mid to high 40s i think he can get this roster into the mid to high 40s but let let's go through this real quick because the heat did hype the hell out of this this week i know accidentally 
But we talk about trying to get off to a fast start. And I don't usually play the schedule game. Chris. Sure. But let's look at the schedule. Um, <laughs> oh, come so, on. so we're going to do this for the NBA. Oh, well, come on. Just, I'm just going to give you some names. Your Orlando okay. Magic led by Aaron yes. Gordon. First game of the season. A Washington team that we don't really know what they are. Right. Didn't uh, and, the, the Heat open with uh, Orlando last year. Right. And it was like a really close they, game. I feel like they always open with Orlando. Then and they, they, no, they, they lost to Orlando in the opening day of the season. Well, last they year. lost a couple games to Orlando last year. Yes. But uh, Washington uh, second game of the season. We don't know what they are. Charlotte third third game, Knicks fourth game, then a Portland Portland at home on a Saturday night. Blazers were third in the West, but they didn't make any significant additions. The Kings, the Hornets, the Hawks, the Pistons schedule. Holy that's what I'm getting at. So if you have continuity, you've got an excellent coach. You get some guys coming back from injury. You get a little bit of enthusiasm. You've got this us against the world because everybody feels about us like Chris Whittingham does. Uh, I, I mean, I could see a six and two start with that schedule, Chris. It's just like you're you're routinely you just scroll up and down the schedule. There's always a home Atlanta, home Orlando. You just you're going to eat up on the Eastern Conference, and this actually for me is the most convincing argument of the arguments you made so far. Is that conference is bad, man? And mm-hmm. you and you look at. I mean, I guess okay. So the teams that you wouldn't want to play, right? Toronto, Boston, Philly. And then I think Indiana's earned their way into that conversation based off what they did in the postseason and how they closed the regular season. And then I think Milwaukee is going to be significantly improved under Bud. So I, I do think that there are five teams that you really wouldn't want to see. Other than that, if you're, you know, away to the Cleveland Cavaliers, like, all right, cool. Like, we're, we're going to expect a win tonight. Like, you're going to expect a win against Cleveland, Detroit, Charlotte, Knicks, Nets, Bulls, Magic, Hawks. And you're going to play those teams, what, like 20 times over the course of a season? Like, So you're going to feel like you're going to go into games regularly that you can win. And then if you can put together enough wins, you might even climb up from where you were last year at six and get to five or four and be kind of that best of the rest for me behind uh, Toronto, Boston, Philly. And then you're in there with Indiana and Milwaukee. This was going to be reason number five, and I'm with you on this. Uh, the Eastern Conference pretty much sucks at the bottom, Chris. Um, yeah. And and that's just the reality of this. And, and you, you know, again, you talk about those top three teams and then kind of where Indiana and Milwaukee fit somewhere there in the middle. But there are five teams that are not really trying this year in the East. I mean, mm-hmm. Atlanta is not trying. The Knicks aren't going to get Porzingis back until at least halfway through the season. Your magic are terrible. So, again, the continuity, some guys coming back from injury, and – this schedule that I think they're going to fatten up on. Like if they get, see to me, a lot of this is about narrative, Chris. Okay? No, but, but and, okay. Can I say this before, before we go on, like the heat lose a lot of these games. They right? do. They, they, yes, they lose, they, they lose a lot of the games to the teams they should beat. That, that that's correct. But if they can fix that and we'll have to see if that actually happens. And obviously one little thing goes wrong with this team and they can lose to a team like that. I get it. But when you look at the schedule, you look at the continuity, you look at these guys knowing each other already, knowing what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, sort of if Dion comes back, maybe he's the guy down the stretch. Maybe it's Dwayne if Dwayne comes back. But having that together, having a soft schedule at the beginning of the season, if you got off to, again, I said six and two, but if you got off to a 10 and five start, which is very possible with the schedule, your narrative changes, your confidence changes. And we saw what this team does with confidence because they got that in the second half of the season in 2016-17, and they rolled to 30-11, and 11, even with Dion missing the last couple of weeks of the season. So as I go through the five arguments here, I know I haven't convinced you completely, 
Honestly, I have not convinced myself, okay? Because I, <laughs> I, I, I think if they don't make a major change, it's probably a 42 or 43 win team that probably finishes six in the Eastern Conference. Like that's where I would put them. But of the five arguments I made, which is most convincing to you? I would say I would say just the overall weakness of the schedule and that you're going to beat some teams. Like you're going to expect to beat some teams on any given night. And like, and that's actually the thing about the 13 11 run is that even when they were doing it again, because they were an 11 and 30 team, you never really went into any game thinking, well, they're definitely going to win this. And because they set that expectation, we went into last season thinking they were going to be that way. And then they overachieved in some games, but then, you know, they lose to Orlando. They, you know, they would lose to Brooklyn and you would be like, well, what the hell? And it, I, I don't think this team can take anyone for granted, but let's take some teams for granted because there are going to be some terrible basketball teams in the Eastern Conference this year. And so you're going to have the opportunity to win some games that, I, like, again, if you're, if, if you're in the Western Conference with this team, it, it misses the playoffs by four games, in my opinion. But you're in the East, and so you're going to be able to make the playoffs. And I, I don't know if that helps with optimism, though, because you're going to kind of be left in the same position, which is a first-round series against a team you probably can't beat. And so I, I don't I – don't, even if you do beef up on the schedule a little bit, unless it gets you to three – to where you avoid some of these teams and maybe you get to play a Washington in round one rather than a Toronto or a, or a Boston or a Philly in round one. Like unless it's that good, I I just don't see how it really that dramatically alters the course of the season. Well, and of course they've lost uh, that one guaranteed win against LeBron uh, in Miami, which they, they were getting, <laughs> they, they were getting, you, you, two don't, think of those it, you don't think, tra- you don't think it transfers over to the Lakers. You don't think he's well, taking, I, well, think, he's, I he, think he's taking those nights off again. Well, yeah, well he, he only play, well, the Lakers only play here once Cleveland played here twice. Yeah, so he'll, he'll, always, he'll, he'll take it off. He'll take LeBron it off. Is gonna sit he's not playing that. I'm, I'm going to check the schedule right now. It's going to be a back to back and he's not going to play. That, that's that's exactly right. I, I think exactly uh, it exactly. is. It is the second night of a back to back. They're in sorry. Orlando on the Saturday, and then they're in Miami on the Sunday. Uh, and so I can almost assure you that LeBron James will not be playing in that game. And Contavious Caldwell Pope will shoot five of nineteen from the field, <laughs> calling calling it right now. All right, that's the end of our podcast. Uh, hopefully, we injected a little bit of optimism for you here. I mean, again, you are really negative for a team that's going to win forty three games, Chris. I, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I, like I, I, I didn't think I was that negative. I just, I, I find it. Um, uh, I just, I have a sense of apathy about it because. I kind of already know the outcome of the season, right? Like, unless, unless they, but we all, really... we know the outcome of the season generally. Like, Golden State's going to win the championship. Like, okay. if that's if, okay, if but... that's if that's the measure here, Chris. Sure. Like, why are we? Doing but if this you're, all? but if you're the, if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks who finished below the Heat in the standings last year, you can say we've got Giannis, we've got Budenholzer. Let's go. Like, we're like we're going to make a jump this year. We've got a guy that we feel like is is going to take us somewhere. If you're Indiana, you're not going to win the championship. But you found a superstar in Victor Oladipo last year. Let's go. Let's get this season started. I'm excited to see how, you know, if, you know, that, that was a one-season wonder if Oladipo's legit or if, if someone else can be around him and, and help him grow. Like, some of these, like, they have something, right, where you're not going to win the title, but you've got something that you're going to, you know, look forward to watching this season. Like, 
what you just laid out for me is that like Hassan Whiteside's gonna be healthy and that Deion Waiter's gonna be healthy. Like that that doesn't get me enthused, Ethan. It just doesn't. I can't wait till the Heat beat guys hear this and hear, <laughs> hear that you said Orlando's roster is uh, better than Miami's. Not, Orla- I didn't Orlando's say better. Roster. You're going to put words in my mouth. It's going to get. Have you watched Nick Vucevic defend, Chris? Have I, you, I mean, have you watched this? DJ Augustine, that's what you Do you see Hassan Whiteside in the postseason? I'm going to ignore that. All right, we're going to move on to another <laughs> podcast uh, tomorrow. Catch, I don't uh, think Orlando's better than Miami. Uh, nah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to edit this one. Uh, no, you're, you're, you are, you're most definitely. It's going to get to heat beat as Chris thinks that Orlando's better than Miami because I know you. you that's uh, that's how you're going to position it. You're going to get everyone mad at me, and I'm just going to have to turn on my Twitter mentions for two days. Tweeting it right now. Uh, Richmond <laughs> Webb on with us tomorrow. Josh Darrow here, host of the Five Rings podcast, where it's always a Canes thing on the Five Reasons Sports Network. What are we about? Pretty easy. I want to tell stories, and I want to share the journey for the players and coaches, past and present, affiliated with the University of Miami. Take Manny Diaz. He grew up in Miami. He grew up going to the Orange Bowl. It was, you know, it was all those 1980s teams. You know, that that's where it all started for me, and just just the style of play and. And really, it was. It really took hold when Jimmy Johnson was here, and you know, sitting there in the Orange Bowl in '86 when we're whipping Oklahoma, and just you know what I mean, just just speed and then violence. You know what I mean? It, 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 you know, we're not only you know, you know, Nebraska it was a changing of college football. It's those kind of memories we want to share with you. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. The Five Rings Podcast, where it's always a Canes thing, and we're always a part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.